What's up, everybody? <laughs> uh, welcome to another week and another episode of Ballin' Out Super. That's right, it's your boy, Lawson Phoenix, a.k.a. The Perfect Shade of Brown, and with me is uh, returning guest, Joe from the Spirit Hunters. Hey, what's good, guys? Uh, you know, in the spirit of this episode, I'm also ambiguously Middle Eastern. <laughs> My people, they need the water. Um, There's so much we have to talk about this. That's definitely a white guy doing that voice, right? Uh, yeah, did they just <laughs> did they hire Hank Azaria? Like, is that what they did? They're just like, I well... I could look this up if I really care, but I'm just going to assume that a white man did that accent for all of Nam's dialogue. <laughs> It's it's not even the worst thing in the world because like the original Japanese is already pretty weird like with regards to the conflation of South Asian and like Middle Eastern cultural traditions. So I'm just like, okay, you you got this, I guess. Yeah, like I understand that Dragon Ball Earth is not Earth because there's a dog president, among other things. However, <laughs> at whatever Nam's people is a stand-in for, um. I'm not one to comment on whether or not it's... A, I don't know if it is or not. I don't know. Uh, but it's de- it's definitely a choice. I mean, he's also he's also a devout Buddhist at a time where, like, it's like, yes, Buddhism is from India, but, it, like, it hasn't been there for, like, a long time, like, more than a thousand years in any, like, appreciable amount. Yeah. Like, that's the thing. I'm like, is it... Are they Indian? <laughs> like, I don't, it's like he's in a desert... It's a desert country, and... He talks like that, and he has, like, a head dress, and... I think I've solved it. I've solved it, actually. Because I was just thinking, like, oh, where do you have a desert? And, like, Desi people, and I'm like, oh. Oh, and also has a history with Buddhism. He's Afghan. We figured it out, guys. Oh, shit. We for, did it! For those who <laughs> don't know, the route that uh, Buddhism took from India to China is pretty weird, and it went through Afghanistan. So, yeah. you know, if you were to really, really try to bend reality to make this not problematic, I mean, it still be pretty problematic, <laughs> you could say that he's from <laughs> Afghanistan. You gotta eat the bend reality, you know me, to fucking make this shit not <laughs> You have to... Yeah, there's uh, no chance of that happening. But... The Afghani, they were on top of shit back then, so, um, they had, uh, weren't they the, the, the big with the maths back uh, in the day? So, I think you might be thinking, uh, you might be thinking of Persia and, uh, Iraq at different points, both, uh, oh, had yeah. very powerful, uh, Muslim empires who yeah. had, like, a lot of contributions to early algebra, um, and other forms oh, of really? mathematics and chemistry. Um, Afghanistan, though, was Af- was Afghani. Maybe I maybe I misread this. I can check this, but I think Al Khorizmi, the man who uh, I think I think Al Khorizmi is the originator of algebra. He's the guy who algorithms are named after. So I might be conflating right. him for that. Um, but I'm pretty sure he's from uh, Baghdad. But I'm not okay. exactly sure. But that being said, yeah. Afghanistan had like. Uh, tremendously powerful empires uh, based from there as well that were Buddhist back in the day, including yeah. ones that were partially ethnically Greek who were remnants left over from Alexander the Great's conquest. So, oh, badass. It, it turns out there was a lot of really interesting thing that happened in Afghanistan before we decided to pretend that it had never had like an interesting history or culture. Yeah, no, Afga- that's, a, yeah, that's, that's one of those things where like that was like the narrative. Like, as kids, like, oh, it's all a desert wasteland that never did anything or whatever. And then you learn about all the shit they did back in the day and all the cool stuff that they, that they got up to and their dope-ass empires. Um, but uh, but that doesn't really conform to the modern narrative, Joe, so let's just sweep that under the rug. Um, I, uh, we, so, okay, we had a couple of things to talk about here in the realm of uh, modern and upcoming anime and or, not anime, but live action uh, tied to anime, uh, so <laughs> and they're within our realms. So first off, uh, as of this recording, uh, twenty minutes ago, before <laughs> me and Joe recorded, a video was uploaded. Uh, that was it's called Dragon Ball Daima, uh, twenty twenty four, and essentially, it looks like uh, Dragon Ball. Uh, 
the, we're kids again. <laughs> Dragon Ball babies, if you will, Dragon like uh, like Muppet babies, but uh, you know, with a new nanny. Yeah. Um, from what I can gather, probably somebody made a wish to turn all the Z fighters and everybody, all the all of our cast into kids again. So if you love GT, which we all did, uh, it's not just Goku who's a child, but Vegeta, uh, Bulma, uh, everybody, Master Roshi, Krillin. It's uh, especially confusing because in the trailer itself, they definitely show footage from GT. So it's not like this is replacing GT in canon. It's like, hey, guys, guess what? GT is important. But also we're doing it again. We're doing GT again because everybody loved it the first time so much. The problem people had with GT was that only Goku was a kid. The, that was where we fucked up. We had everybody should have been a kid. That's what made people would have made people love GT. I think there were other issues, but yeah, you know what? I'll roll with it as a thought experiment. Ah, <laughs> uh, shit. I um. So I hate to be a negative Nancy about this, but it, I don't think it, I I'm, I'm negative about it. I don't I don't like I dislike it. Thumbs down. That's my initial response to this. I'll be pleasantly surprised uh, if it's good on that, and I would really like it if someone who's up to date with the current manga told me if this fits in anywhere. Although, I guess, honestly, like, uh, superhero didn't up until that point, but I guess it's canon now anyway, so fuck it. No, nothing matters. Nothing matters. Nothing really matters. Anyone can see. <laughs> uh... Toriyama is uh, just in his fucking bag, doing all this nonsense, and I hate to call it nonsense, but that's what it kind of feels like it's become. At this point, it's like, this property, which we all love, has simply gone on for too long, and, uh, the, yeah, in the trailer, they, like, they like go back, like, oh, dra remember Dragon Ball? Remember Z? Remember GT? And then, like, uh, and then like, remember Super, though, when he brought it back? And it's like, yeah, I mean... <laughs> The show wouldn't exist if he didn't do Dragon Ball Super. What is that explicitly non-canonical crossover anime? Uh, is it Dragon Ball Xenoverse or or what is it? The one that like Probably. like it, it is officially made, but it is explicitly non-canon, and so they have like an alternate universe Goku who who looks like Sun Wukong because he like has like an outfit with like a skirt. And what is this called? Because it seems like the dumbest shit on the planet. But part of me is just like, I guess that should just be rolled in at this point. Uh, yeah, Xenoverse sounds appropriate. Um, I, yeah, I don't know. Let's roll in also that guy that made that fan video where uh, Goku looked more like Sun Wukong and they fought Broly. Him and Vegeta fought Broly uh, two years ago, whatever. Um, <laughs> roll that into canon. Because that shit was fire. Um, yeah, I mean, honestly, it's, it's like the 40-year anniversary and this is what we're doing. We're going back to school. Uh, Goku does have the power pull back, which I do like, I guess, but that's the only positive thing I can say about this trailer. <laughs> they also made another interesting choice. They didn't go back to fat young Goku from Dragon Ball, you know, a la no. fat Pikachu. Uh, right. Both Pokemon and Dragon Ball like to pretend those iterations didn't exist. So they basically went to like, hey, what if Goku was Goten? Yeah, he's like all he's like all chatted, slimmed out and muscled out now as a as a child. Um, you know what? It's, it's bullshit, bro. Let Pikachu and Goku have their baby fat, bro. Come on. Can they live? Can they live? <laughs> why Why we gotta take away our round-featured protagonists? You know? It's fucked up, everybody. Um, but also, uh, yeah, I honestly, I think one of the worst things about GT is that Goku became a kid again, so this bodes poorly in my mind. Uh, but I'm going to watch it, obviously, and I'll, I'll be a fool for doing so. But uh, not only do we get that, but if you uh, log on to the Netflix or if you have the app, um, you today, as of this recording, so in the past, uh, you can, uh, <laughs> you can uh, treat yourself to the Yu Hakusho live action teaser. Yeah, and by treat yourself, um, you mean you can watch what is effectively a uh, animated GIF with uh, a like dot wave file over it. <laughs> it's a they, they uh, yeah they made yeah. a uh, YTMND of it. It seems. So okay, like to be as immature as possible, I think that the Spirit Gun and Yu Hakusho, much like any beam attack done by a teenager, could always be some sort of metaphor 
for uh, a kid jerking off. However, in the context of this particular teaser, that couldn't be more the case. <laughs> like this is this sounds like a dude like edging to, and also the spirit gun looks like a Rasen gun, as Joe pointed out. Oh it's, yeah, it's spherical. It's swirling. It's like somebody shot a Rasen gun out of their pointer finger. I wonder if they're uh, solving the classic shonen problem of just like, hey, what is the texture and temperature and energy output of this beam by just saying, ah, oh, fuck it. It actually just grinds things. Who's, who cares? <laughs> okay, okay. Why, why I, do I, we care about this now? I care a little bit because, like, you know, it's like one of those things where it's like, wait, does the Hamea wave cause fires or does it, like, is it just right. force? Like, how is the energy imparted? <laughs> you gotta explain. Well, but, like, at the same asking, point. Like, what is energy? Like, what is chi? Because it's shooting out chi, right? Essentially. Yes. Uh, I think Jackie Chan answered this pretty convincingly in one of the end segments of Jackie Chan Adventure, where when asked what is chi, he just made a bunch of animal noises, and then they just cut to something else. <laughs> I don't remember that one. But that's you really need to look up Jackie Chan Adventure's What is Chi? What is chi? Somebody asked Jackie that. It, it honestly uh, feels like he probably gave a more coherent answer that they just fucked up. That's, that's awesome. Um, by the way, so Joe, you much like me, I assume you thought growing up that Jackie Chan was voiced by Jackie Chan and Jackie Chan Adventures. Absolutely. <laughs> I think everyone on Earth did. Which, going back and watching it, like I'm just like, yeah, this doesn't sound anything like Jackie Chan. This just sounds like, I don't know, like someone's idea of like what a Cantonese accent sort of sounds like. Yeah, and I don't remember who actually voiced Jackie Chan anymore, but I, I looked it up at some point. Um, but, like, it's really funny that they call it Jackie Chan Adventures, and he's not even the voice. Like, it's just so funny to me. Because I think all of us as kids just assumed he had to be the voice. Why else would they call it this? Yeah, it's truly just a Jackie Chan <laughs> licensed product. <laughs> yeah, what the hell? Honestly, the thing that fucked with me more was, as a kid, I think I always conflated the style with that of the Men in Black cartoon that I think predated it by, like, one or two years. And so I was always like, yeah, man, uh, Section Section 8, is that the name of the group they were part of? I'm always just like, yeah, that's just, like, Division 6. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. Right. I yeah, always I wanted a crossover, that. but uh, sadly <laughs> nothing. Aliens and... Uh... What do they fight, Jackie Chan? Spirits? Uh, yeah, they fight. Uh, what, what the fuck is the name of that dragon statue in the first season? That uh, um, Shen Long. It's no. I mean, it's something like. I mean, it's it's some sort of dragon. But then he he has a an evil organization called. Um, I was gonna say the hand, but I'm like, that's definitely Daredevil. That's, uh, but it's something like that. It's he, like. The Dark Hand? <laughs> yeah, it might be the Dark Hand, which is, like, really dumb now that I think about it. The Dark Hand. Also, I'm pretty sure his evil empire has a human representative named Valmont, who's just, like, a French crime lord, but is, like, definitely drawn consistently with the Asian characters, and I'm like, I don't know what you're saying here. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> uh, you must be the Valmont. No, he didn't say that. Um, Because that was uh, 25 years ago. But, uh... So, so, uh, so, uh, yeah, we have, so 2024, well, when does the Yu Hakusho live action come out at the end of this year? I think the, they said the date is December 14th. Yeah. Well, God's, Godspeed, Joe. <laughs> I hope it works out. <laughs> I mean, in the worst case scenario, we watch through it on our podcast and then also simultaneously read the manga chapters, which, I, you know, I'm going to I'm gonna admit something on the air that I probably shouldn't say, but I've never read the Yu Show manga, uh, even though I've seen oh. the show in like a trillion different languages many, many times. Like, I think if I total up the amount of times I've seen through the show, it's like 12. Um, I have never read the manga. And so I'm excited to do that now that I've read like, all of Togashi's other manga. This is surprising only because of the thoroughness in which you and your crew conduct their show. Yes, yeah, it's because <laughs> back then we were much more focused on like language translation and localization of the anime, and like I was just like, ah, the manga thing I can do someday. I don't know if Benel's ever read Naruto manga. To be honest with you, I I don't know. I mean, I don't think he ever has. Because actually, part of the show, the conceit of the show is that Benel never finished Naruto. Like he watched like a little bit of it. So this is technically his first time watching through all of it. And when it comes to Dragon Ball, I have read some Dragon Ball manga because it's fun. But I don't think I've ever read any Dragon Ball Z manga at all. <laughs> yeah, I've never read Dragon Ball uh, Z either. I've definitely read a good deal of Dragon Ball. 
Yeah, Dragon Ball is the more fun one to read, probably. <laughs> it's also just um, so well made. This is something we'll definitely talk about later in this episode. But um, yeah, yeah, it's just gorgeous. It's a uh, truly is a work of art. Um, and uh, actually, without uh, you know, without any further ado, let's actually dive into this week's episode of Dragon Ball. I'm gonna say it that way every time. I'll never be canceled. Uh, Dragon Ball episode Vente Cinco Twenty Five. Um, so according to the fandom uh, wiki, this first aired in Japan. Uh, first aired in Japan. Sorry, um, August Thirteenth, Nineteen Eighty Six, and the American air date was September Twenty First, Two Thousand and One. I know that you guys have probably had people try to contextualize that date but just imagine the nes in the u.s had come out like technically it came out in late 85 but it came out to general markets in 86 so the original nintendo was out when this was showing in japan that is pretty wild (laughs) that is pretty wild to think about um so joe i know you said you 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 had some uh, you done some research for this episode. Should we save that till after I do the recap, or do it in the middle, or what do you? Uh, I'll just do it when we get to the part where it's relevant. Okay. Uh, spoilers: Perfect. It has to do with uh, the physics of Nam's jump. Beautiful. Yes, I am uh, very hyped to get into that. So <laughs> this is, uh, without a doubt, episode twenty-five is um, the most fun episode of the tournament arc so far. I think, uh, and we have. Uh, I don't know if you can hear that plane, but um, I blame Alex Patak for being my neighbor who also has a plane fly over him. I I definitely just envisioned, you know that Twilight Zone uh, episode where there's the gremlin on the wing? Yes. I just imagined (laughs) Nam accidentally landing on the wing of a plane. (laughs) That'd be, I would love that switch up. Just like, you know, you just see like a little Asian boy and like a grown Indian man fighting on the edge of the plane and like the person inside being like, does anyone else see this? It's amazing. Does anyone else see this? <laughs> it's incredible. Look at the alacrity of their attacks. Um, I would have loved that. And then the thing is, they would have been ring outed though eventually, right? Well, those like, jump all the way back from where the plane is going. <laughs> yeah, I guess if if they already made the call about the flying Nimbus, then I guess the plane would be out of bounds at this point. Yeah, yeah. Um, I still I still think that uh, Monster Gearin got robbed. That Goku should not have been allowed to use the Nimbus, and that it was. Uh, he cheated, but uh, <laughs> they couldn't. I mean, you know, Justice all rules. For Garen. <laughs> wow, I've never, <laughs> never heard that one. But I was gonna say, you know, most rules are made not in preparation for things, but in reaction to things. So they couldn't have known yeah. that someone would have this power. That's true. It's, it would have been impossible to know. So Goku and Nam begin their match, and we don't really have. A, there's not a lot of downtime before this. We basically we do a little recap of how we got here. Um, um, yeah, so basically, Krillin defeated Bacterian, Nam defeated, uh, Ranfan, or in the Japanese, Longfang. Um, oh, sorry, Joe, did you watch this in English or Japanese, or both? Uh, I watched it in Japanese this time, and then I went yeah. back and watched it in English because, I, I will tell you why later, but I think there's, like, some significant differences that made me want to go back. Okay. Uh, yeah, and then, uh, you know, Jackie Chun rinse Yamcha, rip Yamcha. And um, then Jackie Chun uh, rinse Krillin with the afterimage technique. And then Goku, uh, like I said, robbed Garen of his true spot. <laughs> and uh, that's how we got here. So, <clears throat> uh, so uh, Goku and Nam uh, square off, and there's no dirty tricks. They just both take a stance that's not a real fighting stance, but Toriyama, God bless him. And... <laughs> They square off. Um, oh, we're reminded, by the way, uh, so the winner of this meets Jackie Chun in the finals. We're reminded it is for 500,000 zenny? Yeah, I'm and still unclear what the, uh, you know, how much, rate? yeah, like, b- <laughs> historical, like, you know, t- if it was, like, equivalent to yen at the time or not, I I just don't understand. Yeah, um, it's probably about the same as 500,000 berry in One Piece. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, that worked. <laughs> I think that helps. <laughs> so, um, 
Nam uh, is not a violent man. He is a man of peace, and he's a Buddhist, I'm assuming, based on everything he says. But he has to win this tournament for the prize money to buy water for his village. And me being, you know, living in America in 2023, it doesn't even occur to me that, like, oh, yeah, he has to buy water. And how fucked that is. It's kind of... <laughs> so... They can't even buy... They have to buy water because they don't just have water. I uh, lived I in Arizona for a pretty long time. And Arizona is going through a water crisis because of deals made between Arizona and the other states, including California. With California having the legal rights to a lot more water than the other states in the area, disproportionate to their population even. Uh, and this has a lot to do with uh, deals made with farmers back in the day, as can be seen in the movie Chinatown, which includes a lot of yes. murder. Uh, yes. The reason That's I bring this up is... That movie was actually about? That's yeah. That movie was actually The movie's about, about the water wars. It um, actually was. It wasn't about... It wasn't about finding that girl. <laughs> yeah, that's like super secondary. Find the girl. Anyway, sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> but I was just going to say, so yeah, this shit's alive and well, depending on where you live. And uh, will probably be more and more relevant as global warming spirals out of control. Chinatown, by the way, is a fucking great movie. It's an amazing uh, movie. Uh, yeah, it's... Uh, Go watch that shit. Uh, after you listen to this podcast, of course. What you do is you listen to this podcast, you give this podcast five stars. Then you go and listen to the Spirit Hunters latest podcast, you give that shit five stars, then you go watch Chinatown, in that order. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, uh, yeah, so the Water Wars is a thing, and unfortunately, uh, Nam, uh, he's on the losing end because his town is in a desert that vaguely is Indian... Afghani or something. Uh, so <laughs> it's a poor village. Oh, you know what? Oh my god! Wait, there's a link here. Hold on, I can click on it. Wait. Nam's village has its own uh, article. Okay, Nam's village is a desert village on Earth. That is, it's south of Girin's village and west of Baba's place. Okay, so it's south wow. of Girin's village. <laughs> Girin, Girin must be from like I don't know Tajikistan. We figured it out. <laughs> Monster Girin. Wow, it is a naturally barren region and sucks ass. Basically, is the overview. <laughs> does it does it show where it was featured in video games? Is it in like one of the Budokai games? Oh, it is. Uh, let's see if I scroll down here. It had. Hold on, hold on. We gotta. We gotta, let's get the cast. Uh, notable residents: Nam's father, Nam, Ami, and Dabu. And then in Dragon Ball Z Kakarot, there's like more people. There's, okay, there's too many. They're just all NPCs. Um, yeah, video game appearances. Nam's Village appears in Dragon Ball Online under the name Taola Village. T-A-O-L-A. T-A-O-L-A, yes. Um, it is north... It is, appears in the northern part of the Fran Fran Desert, and south of Girin's Village. As of age 1000, the land around the village is more fertile, and there's a fountain shaped like a capsule in, in the center. I forgot. I've never seen how Nam brought water back to help the village through its drought. Okay. Okay, spoilers, but that's pretty sick. But I was going to say, I forgot <laughs> that, like, mega Dragon Ball fans actually established, like, a years-based chronology, and I'm just like, yeah, I've never cared about this. <laughs> that is, yeah, that's got to be, that's fans, right? That's not, like, a. that's not real. That's <laughs> I wouldn't no. be surprised if it's one of those things where there are, like, pseudo-canonical books released as source material in Japan that then people like take to heart, but then Toriyama doesn't realize exist or or cares about, and he just violates later, as is very common with anime. Yeah. So uh, apparently, there's some other bullshit that happens in the other games. I'm not gonna. Well, I'll read. Okay, I'll read the beginnings of some of these. In Dragon Ball Z Kakarot, Nam's village is located in the Great West Desert area of Earth. Um, and and there's a sub story where Nam travels to the East Ravine to trade for food and water, where he runs into Goku, who is on his way to confront Raditz. Uh, so that's, like, later on. And then, um, yeah. And then there's, like, they trade for, they trade a fossil for, like, a, a food and water capsule or whatever. Anyway, um, and then in Trunks, the Warrior of Hope DLC, Nam's village in future Trunks timeline becomes accessible, uh, after Trunks, future Trunks does the Z-Sword training on the sacred world of the Kai. Okay. I'm now uh, wondering how many spirit bombs Nam has contributed to. We don't need to look this up, but I'm wondering. Like most, most of them, yeah. Probably. He's probably then, you know, him and, like, uh, that girl, Suno, him and Suno are, like, the yeah. number one, like, we're going to contribute to this, people on the planet. 
Everybody put your hands up. Um, yeah, that's, uh, so, uh, Nam, uh, who, again, you know, he's in this tournament for, you know, save his village. Goku is here just to fight. Um, so, it's a kind of interesting dynamic that Toriyama set up here where our protagonist who we've been following and are, you know, inherently rooting for is up against somebody who has definitely, like, a better reason for being here and, like, more more sympathetic cause. Um, but, you know, I think it was, uh, that's what makes it interesting. So, um, so they, they uh, begin to exchange blows. Uh, Goku, he, he opens, he's like, what should I open with? I know, I'll use uh, Jackie Chun's technique. I almost said Master Roshi. But as we all know, that's not the same man. He, he says, I'll use Jackie Chun's technique. I'll use the afterimage technique. And he does. He leaves an afterimage behind. He goes to uh, kick Nam, but Nam dives out of the way. Because he closes his eyes and can hear Goku coming. And that's what you call long-term storytelling. <laughs> um, so... Uh, um, so yeah, so he, uh, uh, Yamcha and Krillin and, uh, Jackie Chun are watching the fight, and they're all impressed that Goku copied Jackie Chun's aftermatch technique on the first try, but they're also impressed that Nam was able to see through it and dodge. Honestly, that part is much more impressive to me simply because in most other anime and manga, there would have to be a couple panels of the person being like, well, if I can't trust my eyes, I have to cut off my other senses. But Nam just does it and doesn't even explain. And I'm like, oh, shit, Toriyama trusting the audience. Yeah, trusting that we would remember that he did that against uh, Ranfan, a.k.a. Longfang. I have to say it. I have to say the both names every time. Uh, <laughs> it's a condition that I have. So, uh... Goku, uh, then just, well, so Nam throws a bunch of kicks, Goku blocks, Goku throws a bunch of punches, Nam blocks, they're evenly matched, but then Goku says, I'll use my new attack, tornado attack, and, um, with it, he presses Nam back, Nam cannot counterattack, because he's spinning too quickly. Yeah, he decides to, uh, be like, what if Taz the Tasmanian Devil was a Beyblade? Yes, he Beyblades himself. <laughs> Tasmanian devil style, uh, and he, uh, uh, as he's about to ring out Nam, he presses Nam up against the ring out, uh, again, as he's about to ring out, ring him out, uh, he falls down from due to dizziness, and it's unfortunate. Uh, then, uh, Nam says, well, it's time for me to use my super technique, because I thought I was about to lose this fight, but I've been gifted a second chance. I must not fail. And he <laughs> jumps high into the air. And now Joe, the announcer in the English version, says he must be at least four stories high. Yeah, that's uh, that's a vast understatement. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm also going to ask, wait, was this before or after Goku used his prehensile tail to stay in the ring? Oh, sorry. You're right. Um, oh, I think this is before, actually. And then that happens later. Um, I could be. I could wait. Hold on. Uh, it, it's it's not that important. But yeah, I just thought yeah. that was an interesting part too. But I actually yeah. have some uh, calculations I did regarding uh, Nam's attack. If you're interested. Yeah, please. Yeah. Okay, so I decided to do a little bit of physics on this because I was just like, oh, hmm, I wonder how high Nam is jumping. And so I looked up like what is like the average lowest height of clouds. It's about six thousand five hundred feet in the air. Um, you know, and there's definitely lower-lying clouds under certain conditions, but it's quote-unquote a bright, sunny day. So this is probably right. Uh, I then remembered that there's an equation that you can use based on, like, the, you know, fundamental gravitational kinematic equations to figure out, based on a jump height, how fa how fast someone would have had to have started their jump in order to get there. And uh, so I used to be a video game programmer, and so, like, I had this, like, stuff handy. Decided to look it up because like I knew this stuff in meters per I knew this stuff in meters but uh right. hadn't really done this in feet before so I looked at the equation which is the velocity he would need to be going at the beginning would be the square root of two times the gravitational acceleration constant times the height where the gravitational acceleration constant in feet is 32 feet per second squared and uh 
therefore, if you put this equation together, you get that Nam must have been going 644 feet per second at the beginning of his jump, or to put that in something people will understand, 440 miles per hour. Nam jumped 440 miles per hour off the ground. <laughs> Wait, th- th- that's the first jump? Um, the- That's probably the second jump, but he's probably somewhere yeah. in that range anyways. And keep in mind, these calculations are without wind resistance. So he's probably actually jumping a lot faster than that because be- he's being slowed down by the air. And I didn't want to do a terminal velocity calculation. Sure, but he might be going up to 500 miles per hour. Yeah, it's uh, it's yes. absurd. Okay, that's because he jumps over the clouds the second time. and. Yeah. Um, okay, so actually, so I've, I, I understand. So what happened here was, uh, I did, so the tail thing happened beforehand. There's an exchange with Goku and Nam before he does the, the first jump, where, um, Goku kicks Nam into the wall, but he comes back with a back chop, and he knocks Goku towards the edge of the stage, and Goku's like, ow, that hurts. And Nam is about to kick him off, and then Goku trips him with the tail. Oh yeah, no, it was sick. Did you did you read yeah. the manga for this part at all? I did not. Okay, so you know the part where Goku kicks him into the wall? Yes. In the manga, he does a palm strike that they draw key lines around, and I'm like, did he just do like a key strike? And it's like really unclear because they don't comment on it. Right, oh yeah, that's right. It is like, it's like a palm strike, yeah. Yeah, the, you're right. No, except, it like, except yeah. in the manga, they draw like explicit key lines, so I'm just like, okay. Oh, okay. Yeah, maybe because in the end, yeah, in the anime, it was—I mean, it was—it was just a, a palm strike. But yeah, I wonder if we're supposed to think like he's because we know Goku can do the Kamehameha. We already know he can do that, but um, for sure. But, and ironically, this would put this more in line with like old Chinese martial arts movies and the way people use key because you know, like projection of key is a lot less common than just like I put my key into my limbs while I did shit. Yeah, true for sure. Especially at this point. Um, so, uh, yeah, so they, I mean, yeah, Goku and Nam have, like, they're the most evenly, like, they're both, like, fighting, fighting each other for, like, the whole time, pretty much. Uh, they, th- this is the most exciting actual Dragon Ball fight to this point. This is, like, kind of the first Dragon Ball fights, I would say, um, in a lot of ways. Uh, although the finals probably uh, definitely overshadows it. Um, but,. So, yeah, so Nam with his big cross chops. Oh, well, first he does, he does like a side chop. And then Goku counters with the tail, tripping him up. Um, and Nam did not see that coming. Um, that's when Goku does the tornado attack and then falls down dizzy. And uh, Nam jumps up for the flying cross chop. So while Goku has stunned himself on the ground, Nam jumps high up into the fucking air and lands with the cross chop attack. Does he say anything while he's in the air? Because he says something very specific in the manga in Japanese. Um, (laughs) he said, like, I wouldn't, I wouldn't normally do this, except that I have to win for the village or whatever. In this one, he says, Namu Amitabutsu, aka, I take refuge in Amitabha Butsu, in Amitabha Buddha. Okay, yeah, no, he did not say that in English. (laughs) Yeah, it would have been pretty different. Yeah. It's pretty different. Um, and uh, he, yeah, after he cross arm dives on Goku, flattens him. Uh, the announcer counts to nine, and Goku gets up, which Nam can't believe because Go- Nam said Goku would uh, wouldn't be able to get up for about eight to ten days. And Master, <laughs> I mean, sorry, Jackie Chun agreed. Yeah, Jackie Chun was like, "Well, no one's gonna get up from that. It's it's over." And um, but Goku gets up at nine. Can we? Because so in the Japanese version, the referee counts in English, which I was not expecting. Uh, oh, really? Which you know, I guess that would be consistent because I'm pretty sure even in pro wrestling in Japan in the '80s they were counting in English. So I guess it makes sense. Uh, yeah, that does make sense. Yeah, for sure. It'd be funny if in the English you count in Japanese. <laughs> that would have been really weird. Just the guy Ich-ni. being like each knee, san, yon, um. So, uh, Goku is up to the, uh, everyone's surprise. Uh, and then Nam is like, oh, I must have fucked up somehow. I must not have been using my, the perfect technique. I have to go for it again. Which, the, the first time he did it, Goku was incapacitated on the ground. He had spun himself dizzy. But this time he just jumps up 
And I'm like, Nav, you think Goku's just gonna like stay there and like wait for you to come back down? Um, because uh, Goku's not very smart, but he's when it comes to fighting, he's not a not an idiot. So Nav jumps high up again, as you said. What was it? 440 miles per hour, not accounting for wind. Yeah, that's okay. And he leaps high above the clouds into the sky, and Goku uh, jumps up after him. And as Nam goes to turn back down to do the cross palm strike, uh, he passes by a Goku who is ascending as he descends. And then Goku descends after him and then uh, makes himself wide so he can uh, slow his his fall. And I then love- he gets a fight in midair, and it's awesome. I love that Nam takes a second to realize what Goku's done. Because like it's just like, only I can do this. Oh shit, someone else can do this. Yeah, he's way up in the sky, and then all of a sudden, as he's going to attack down, Goku f- passes him. He's like, "Wait, what?" <laughs> and then they had, then they, they, um, yeah, they get to about the even, uh, uh, in the sky, and they start fighting as they fall, which is really fucking cool. And it's one of those things that, like, you know, once we get power scaled up in Z and everybody can fly. You kind of lose the sense of how cool this is. <laughs> no, I I love this scene because it's like the first of many pre-flight, uh, pre-flight mid-air battles that we have. So like you have Goku versus Tien later, and that's like the yeah. extended, like exploded version of this. But like for right now, this is the hypest shit that's happened in the show. And I think one of the comments on Crunchyroll was something to the effect of like, "Yeah, I just got to this episode, never watched Dragon Ball. I finally get it. I get it now." Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's cool. It's just cool shit. Um. They're exchanging strikes while they fall in the sky. It's really fun. And uh, so what ends up happening is Goku uh, dives to get ahead of uh, Nam. And Nam's like, perfect. He's falling right into my plan. He'll land first, and then I'll cross-chop him. However, like I said, Goku is no fool, as he has planned for this. He lands first, immediately (laughs) backs off. From where Nam is going to land. And as Nam is headed towards the ground, Goku comes at him with a perpendicular flying kick. And Nam cannot defend himself because he's in midair. And he takes that kick to the solar plexus and flies out of the ring into the wall. He is ring outed. And the winner of the semifinal is Goku. I love how ingenious this is. Like, I I think Goku is a battle savant. Like, he actually is a genius for, like, one subject. Like, yep. going in Hunter Hunter definitely gets that from him. But something I wanted to bring up is, theoretically, in an environment without air, if you jumped at 440 miles up, you're going to hit the ground again at 440 miles per hour. So we could theoretically establish, based on the amount of time between Goku and Nam's landing, like, how much space there was for him to fall and then determine how fast Goku would have had to have moved to, like, land this attack. I'm not going to do these calculations, but you could, but I'm going to put it out there. He's probably moving at vastly higher than 440 miles per hour. Yeah, like he lands, and then, like, he lands, and again, like, he, he takes no fall damage. That's the thing about this. It's like, they can jump, like, it's one thing they can jump that high. They're also immune to fall damage. Because he lands, not only does he take no damage, he can immediately, like, uh, position himself in order to counterattack Nam, uh, Nam. Just the strongest so, tendons in the world on these two. Yeah, I mean, they are, like, 12, so they're light, but still, they were coming down at fucking Mach 3 or whatever, so, like... (laughs) I'm wondering what um, age Nam is. Let's not look it up, but, like, I'm just like, yeah, I have no idea what, like, how to gauge Toriyama ages with, like, people who aren't, like, East Asian or, like, white. I'm gonna say Nam is 27. I feel he's fucking, like, 19, but... You think so? Yeah, I'll look this up while you continue. Okay. That's possible. Um, and uh, so Goku wins. He's headed to the finals. Uh, the finals are set. Uh, Nam, in defeat, walks... Uh, Krillin goes to celebrate with Goku, which I really liked. I thought that was cute. Because, like, there's, like, a world where, like, Krillin is, like, jealous of Goku. And, like, meh, Goku, you got to the finals. Blah. But, no, he's, like, genuinely happy for Goku. And, like, it's really cute. And they're celebrated. Nam walks up to them. And he, this is a man who just lost everything. He just lost that money that he needs to fucking uh, hydrate his village with. And 
he offers his hand in sportsmanship to Goku and says, good match. And uh, sportsmanship wins the day, Joe. How old he, is Nam? Uh, so I found that he was born in the year 721. Still trying to find out what year this tournament took place. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, what the way? Okay. Yeah, that's how I have to do this. Uh, also, it's like it has his on the wiki that I'm looking at the Dragon Ball fandom. It has his death date, and then it has two more death dates. Oh my god! Because of course it does. I'm assuming that a lot of people have shared at least one of those death dates. Yeah, I mean, there's the Kid Boo one at least, right? Yeah, you know what? Who? Th- there's no answer to this. There probably is, but I'm gonna pretend that there isn't. It's unknowable. Who knows how old Nam is? Um, if he's born in 721, what year does Dragon Ball start? That's a good we, question. We don't know this. Okay, well, um, so uh, Jackie Chun, who had previously read, literally read his mind, by the way, uh, that's a thing that uh, Jackie Chun slash uh, Master R can do. Uh, he can read minds. <laughs> so um, he approaches Nam secretly, and uh, he reveals to him that he actually is Master Roshi. And Lawson, glued. Yes. I, I I have some good news for you. Okay. Do you want to know Nam's exact age? Twenty-seven. It's twenty-eight. You are incredibly close, Ooh. and you win by Price's Right rules by a lot. <laughs> Assuming this um, poor post is authoritative. So okay, so he's born in seven twenty-one. So it's seven forty-nine. Forty-nine. Okay. All right. Cool. Um, so, uh, yeah, so, uh, he tells him he's Master Roshi, he glued his wig to his head, and it just like the Dickens, but he makes sacrifices. Um, and he, the reason he is disguised as Jackie Chun is because he doesn't want Krillin and Goku to know that they're already two of the strongest people on fucking Earth. <laughs> because then, if they know they're the best, they'll have nothing to strive for. No reason to keep going. Which, you know, spoilers for all of Dragon Ball. The fact that the way Dragon Ball is structured, the way Toriyama did this series is brilliant. Because it's like, you have like a big adventure arc with the Dragon Balls, punctuated by the tournament arc. And whether he plans to do this or not, the structure of the series is beautiful, where it's like, Dragon Ball arc, tournament arc, Dragon Ball arc, tournament arc, Dragon Ball arc, tournament arc. And Goku doesn't, he loses, like Rocky... Balboa lost the first time, but he wins in the second movie. Dra- Goku lo- is going to lose this tournament, spoilers, and he loses the second one. He's a Where, he's an Ash he's an Ash Ketchum of sorts. He is. I mean, I took Ash for how many fucking years to? He just finally won one, right? Yeah, thirty years. So, um, yeah, he loses twice, and these things aren't every year, like every three years or whatever. So he finally wins the third one, and that's the conclusion of the series. Spoilers for the end. Everybody fucking knows that. I was gonna say, if you don't, like, what are you doing? <laughs> if you don't know that, that's that's what happens. So I think that's a really incredibly good long term booking Toriyama does here. Um, I I definitely have some thoughts about this in the English versus Japanese. You watched this one in English, right? I did. I think this is like my favorite Master Roshi moment, like almost bar none in English. In Japanese, it's okay. Oh hey, I didn't see you there. I'm Lawson, host of the. Balling Out Super Podcast, and the Talking Naruto Podcast. Did you know I also host a wrestling podcast? That's right, me and Katie Rose Leon, the professional wrestling podcast, on Spotify, and we're on other podcast platforms. Also on YouTube, youtube.com slash at Lawson Comedy. Check it out there every week. Me and Katie Rose talking about the graps. Now, back to the show. Yeah, I was just saying, um, I really love this speech in English. It's probably my favorite Master Roshi moment. And honestly, it's like, for me, a succinct statement of the themes of Dragon Ball and eventually, you know, Z and Super, this idea of, like, keeping this, like, endless youthful dream alive, like, regardless, like, just this childlike wonder at the world and the capacity for, like, personal and, like, you know, personal development and growth. And, like, I find it to be beautiful. In Japanese, it's okay. But I think the reason the English one... I'm normally someone who's like, oh, you know, subs are way better than dubs always. But in this case, I feel the opposite. Not because it's the first I saw. I tend to prefer Dragon Ball in Japanese as well. But I feel this was written 
with the retroactive knowledge of having done the entire script of Z already and like just seeing the themes and being like, we're going to incredibly clearly state them now as opposed to in Dragon Ball where it was just like a, here's my plan. Yeah, that's a that's a it makes a huge difference. Hindsight. <laughs> yeah, it's Master it's Roshi, so good. Master Roshi is you're totally right. He's essentially pitching the rest of the Dragon Ball to you, and the the concept of this, you know, wanderlusting sort of fantasy, sort of like um, children growing up. You know, self improvement, development, like you said, which are those are you know the yeah the major themes of Dragon Ball. Um, so, yeah, I think I agree, and it's like there's all, there's like the way because Master Roshi has like a lot of like you know pervy moments up before this, but the way he sort of like um, lays out his whole thesis here, um, really, and the, the fact that he's telling this to, to Nam and uh, away from the uh, the characters he's talking about is uh, interesting dramatic irony uh, because yeah, it's like. Uh, it, it it almost like it's as somebody who most of us have watched Dragon Ball Z as well, who are watching this, and it's just uh, it feels appropriate, I guess is what I'm trying to say, uh, for him to like give this sort of like layout of this is what Dragon Ball is, this is what we're here for, <laughs> we're here to watch this kid grow up and become stronger, save the world, save the world again, um, and it all starts here. With him trying to beat his his master, um, and is he's like saying Goku wants to become Goku, if you know if I just let him run wild and win this tournament when he was twelve, you know. So, and uh, and the other thing about this is that Nam, who is um, you know uh, feels like a failure, uh, Master Roshi steps in to help him, and gives him a uh, Dino Cap, which can hold. Uh, an endless supply of something. Uh, you can fill it up with whatever you like. And Nam's like, but I don't have any water to put in it. And Master Roshi takes him to a well and says, you know, here, water's as free as the air we breathe. You can just take the water from the well and not pay for it. And Nam goes, it's free? <laughs> it's, uh... I, I love this moment, both for the comedy, but also just like, I really think this is like one of the best Dragon Ball moments in terms of just like the the core humanity of Dragon Ball just like this ability to like recognize like hey other people have things way worse and if you like pay attention and like really try to help other people like maybe you can make some small difference in the world yeah Master Roshi's in English he says the line Nob's like how did you know my village was uh had a drought Master Roshi says people are like books they're easy to read if you know how <laughs> which is interesting um, in the in the manga, but not the Japanese subtitle version, he basically just says, "I have telepathy." Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. I was like, you know, <laughs> this reading people, and then this having literal telepathy. Um, yeah, because you can tell this man is distressed. I don't know if you could tell it was a water situation. <laughs> exactly. People are easy to read if you know how. Um, and so, uh, uh, Master Roshi asks. Now, for one more favor, um, before he leaves and goes to save his village, um, Yamcha comes back over to Jackie Chun, and he is convinced that he's Master Roshi. Then Jackie Chun points to the crowd, saying, I'm not Master Roshi. He's sitting right there, and you can clearly see a very tanned Master Roshi sitting in the crowd. <laughs> He's wearing Nam's clothes, too, if you look closely, and I love yeah. that, that if you just look lower, it's pretty obvious. <laughs> It's pretty obvious that, yeah. But this fool's Yamcha, who is a himbo, and he goes, Oh, I'm sorry for accusing you, Jackie Chun, sir. That is, you're clearly not Master Roshi after all. And um, obviously it's Nam wearing the glasses and with the turtle shell on his back and with the staff. So he, uh, with that, Nam says thank you and goodbye, and he walks away. And I'm kind of sad because I like Nam as a character. I kind of wanted him to hang out. Yeah, I love. I think Nam. he shows up in tournament too. I think he shows up. Um, I think he loses to like Tian or something, but could be wrong. Hey, um, I wonder. I don't remember him losing to Tian specifically because I think at the time with the way they were building up Tian, you would have felt more of a mortal danger for Nam. Well, I think if Nam showed up, it might have been more like a oh, I got eliminated, haha. 
Yeah, he's like yeah, he's like he does he's not a semifinalist. I don't think. I think he should have been in the second tournament and he's like in the final eight and then he gets squashed by somebody. I I could be wrong though, I'm not sure. Yeah, it's been so um, long since I've seen tournament two. Yeah, it's not one of he's not one of the major players like he is in the first uh tournament. Um so and uh <laughs> with that, uh we are setting up setting up our Final battle, which will be Goku versus Jackie Chan. Goku's very excited to fight the uh, experienced fighter. And uh, when you asked if he's feeling tired, he says, no, I just need some food and I'll be fine. Um, and, uh, yep, with that, we, uh, we head off the air. And we'll find out next time what happens when Goku meets Jackie Chan in the finals. Of the very first Budokan. Uh, Budokai. Uh, and yeah, that's episode 25. Um, so, uh, yeah, out of seven Dragon Balls, Joe, what do you give episode 25? I'm going to leave the listeners in suspense for a brief bit, although you can probably guess based on how I described it earlier. Uh, but I have a couple notes uh, just about the uh, manga here that I thought were interesting. Yeah. So one, uh, in the manga, this chapter just continues right into the beginning of their fight, which uh, I was surprised to say the least about. Um, yeah, that is weird. Yeah, another thing, uh, because I was reading this, uh, you know, on a super official source on on a website, you know, definitely super official. Yeah. Um, it went into the next manga volume, and the cover in the middle of the Goku vs. Nam fight is, Ma- uh, sorry, Jackie Chun posing in the front with Goku in what looks to, to be like a B-52 bomber just in the background. And like, I'm like, is this supposed to be like the midair fight? Is that what they're going for here? Or is this just an excuse for Toriyama, who's really good at drawing machines unrelatedly to Dragon Ball, to draw like a really sick, intricate like machine? <laughs> um, the both? <laughs> yeah, why not? Probably. Yeah. And then the last... Th- Six and one, half a dozen the other. <laughs> The last note I have is that um, I do you know if this cross chop thing is a pro wrestling thing? I ask because uh, if not, then I know of something it might directly have influenced. It's not. It's not really a pro wrestling thing. Like the whole idea of doing a dive. So it's called the cross arm dive. Is the t- is the official? So like, there's like dives in pro wrestling where you jump off the top and all that stuff. But no one really does that into a cross arm. So there is oh so there is um a standing attack called the throw chop in wrestling. But it's not done off the top rope, it's just you stand and you kind of thrust with your arms in an X motion. And the idea is that you attack your opponent's throat. It's like a easy you know it's not like a real move, but it's a big pro wrestling thing. <laughs> mm. Okay, the so, reason But yeah. That's it. Yeah, the reason I ask is then, okay, if there's not an established precedent in pro wrestling, then I'm pretty sure Yusuke in Yu Hakusho uses this during the end of his fight uh, to, to finish his fight with uh, Shorin in Genkai's tournament. I will not elaborate what happens after that, but he beats Shorin, specifically Shorin, using this attack. I actually don't... I just watched this and I don't even remember. That's because you probably remember Shorin under a different name and he uses a different attack to defeat him. Okay, yeah, you're right. Yeah, I, I don't yeah, want to spoil okay. it for I, anyone who hasn't watched this anime from 92. Yeah, that's that's totally fair. Uh, I That's kind of what I suspected, but now I now I remember. Um, so, yeah, with the techniques used in this episode, with the after-image technique, Tornado and Cross-Arm Dive. Uh, yeah, differences from the manga. Um, after defeating Nam, Goku has a talk with Krillin and Yamcha. Where he gives his thanks to Master Roshi for why he was able to win the match. Uh, Yamcha says you might be facing him next. This does not happen in the manga. Okay. Good to know. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, out of... Uh, did I ever even say that this episode was called Danger from Above? Episode 25. Danger from Above. Uh, how many Dragon Balls would you give this one? Well, now that I've built it up way too much, uh, you probably expected this, but 7 out of 7. Oh my goodness. Oh lord and lord. He went seven out of seven. Well, you know what, Joe? Who am I to be a contrarian in this day and age of 2023? I'm going to also give it seven out of seven Dragon Balls. And you know what that means? It means I got to go to the bathroom really quick. Uh, but while I do that here, use these Dragon Balls to summon the dragon. 
Oh, great dragon. Uh, I I summon you. I don't remember how this goes. Oh, I have arisen. Wait, who are you? Hey, I'm Joe. Uh, I don't think we've met before, but uh, I, I've you know seen and heard a lot of your work. Uh, I know that you were recently asked for world peace, so I won't uh, be be doing that. Uh, well, I think it was more specifically peace in the Middle East, but I, I think I have a pretty good idea of what I want. But tell me a little bit of how you're doing, though. I, you know, I should have started with that. Um, you know, I um, I, I I've been going through a lot recently, but I think I'm starting to get my life together. Um, you know, I go to AA's on the weekends, and uh, I get like I still I still have a uh, weekend. Co- uh, Still see, get to see the kids on the weekends. I'm um, glad to hear the the dragonlings. Yeah, the dragonlings. Yeah, um, all 38 of them, and uh, they were a hell of a clutch. They were, but uh, me and the ex, uh, you know, we're are, we're starting to get on better terms. Where's Lawson, by the way? Where's where the and or Hannah or Alex and Katie don't show up anymore, right? They're no, they're, they they're gone. They've moved on to the great beyond. Uh, as for Hannah, I I've not personally met Hannah, so I wouldn't know. Uh, okay, well, uh, she's uh, yeah, she's like the the blonde one who uh, owns a snake. Anyway, that's not neither here nor there. Um, well, what's you summoned me, Joe? Should I uh, just call you Joe? Is that that cool? Yeah, yeah. If you okay, I, mean, I don't I don't really. Know what else other handles I'd give you. Let's just go with Joe. Joe, what is your wish for the great dragon Shenron? Justice. I want justice. So, you know, we got peace and justice in complement because I think oftentimes peace occurs at the expense of justice. And so if we could combine those two, that seems like it'd be better. You know, that's that's very forward thinking of you. For peace in the Middle East, justice for all. I shall do my best to work on this. I have some phone calls to make. So let it be written. So let it be dragoned. Your wish will be granted, although because it is vague, it may not you may not notice for many years. <laughs> Oh, so you're saying like the French band Justice may like reunite and then like release an album and you'll be like, that's what you wanted, right? That's exactly not exactly what I meant. Maybe I work in mysterious ways. Sounds good. I tried. I can say I tried at least. <laughs> uh, with that, adios. And uh, tell Lawson I said hi. Uh, and I have to go uh, pick up the kids. I'll see you next time, Joe. Drive safe. Oh, hey, Joe, what's up? <clears throat> oh, uh, you. Man. What's going on? You missed Shenron. Uh, he uh, he he oh. had to leave to pick up his kids. It sounded pretty urgent. Oh, cool. Um, they still see him on the weekends. He said. Uh, yeah. No, it sounds like things are uh, improving with his ex. So I'm glad that's good for the kids. Yeah. Um. He's still going to AA? Is he still going, right? Yeah, no, I mean, he it says he is. I, I have no reason to doubt him. I don't know anything more than I think you might know. Or, I mean, as long as, you know, he's still... You know, you know, every day, is, you know, it's one step at a time, they say. Every one day at a time. Uh, I forget, so, does he have feet? Or it's the Namekian dragon, Purunga, who doesn't have feet, right? Right, no, he does have... He can fly, but he does technically also have feet. Okay, yeah, so it still steps at times. Yeah, sounds good. Yeah, he's a serpentine dragon, but he does have feet in case he, yeah, so he can still do the steps. Yeah, I'm sorry for committing dragon racism. No, 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 it's, it's an easy mistake to make. There's, you know, there's the, the western dragons and there's, the, you know, the, the alien the dragons. Ones. The alien dragons. <laughs> uh, there's the GT <laughs> dragons which we don't speak of um so uh yeah with that it's time for everyone's uh, favorite segment every week of every show it's plugs oh i hear the train coming it's the plug train baby uh joe please tell the listeners about you and your wares uh just a split second my uh girlfriend is feeding our dogs so i'll just wait for the noise oh no worries oh uh, um, he's uh could you could you do it in the room Oh, thank yeah. You. Okay. I... <laughs> Sounds what good. What do you have? 
Uh, so he's a mix. Uh, we got him at a shelter. Uh, well, technically, Joy got him, and then I came into the picture later. Um, but he's a German Shepherd Lab and Chow. We're not sure, you know, in what proportion. Cute. Yeah, he's he's a cute boy. I'll show you his Instagram later. Oh, awesome! Yeah, please do. Word. So, yeah, please, uh, yeah, tell the listeners about you and uh, your wares. Sounds good. Hey, uh, I'm Joe from the Spirit Hunters. Uh, you can find us on most social media platforms at Spirit Hunter Pod. Um, and, you know, if you like Yu Show, if you like Hunter Hunter, or you just want to check those series out and get some context regarding the localization, the cultural context, and, like, a bunch of stupid jokes uh, and, you know, good observations along the way, then please come join us. We also have a Discord that you can find through those resources as well. Recently, uh, Lawson, us, and uh, another friend of ours who operates the Facebook page Yu Hakusho Core got together to watch the Yu Yu Hakusho stage play, which uh, turned out to be really good, as Lawson can tell you about. Um, but uh, in addition to that, with the new Yu Hakusho live-action Netflix series coming December 14th, uh, you know, I'm going to shill for them now, I guess. I'm not paid, sadly. Uh, we're going to be covering that in addition to I will finally read the manga. So I really hope you guys will join us on that journey and, uh, you know, check it out. Uh, we'd love to have you. Yeah, the, the live musical was pretty lit. I cannot lie. <laughs> it was way better than it had any right to be. And, uh, yeah, um, I hope the I hope the live action is also good. Uh, you know, uh, cross my fingers. Um, so... Uh, yeah, uh, check out the Spirit Hunters, everybody. And, uh, you know the deal already. You can support the show here at patreon.com slash pod. Um, I think, uh, was it five bucks a month gets you fucking everything, bro? You get everything! You get GT, Gundam, Umusume Pretty Derby, bunch of other shit back there. Uh, <laughs> Alex and Katie, uh, you know, Jeremy Thunder, they all, you know, contributed a lot. So, uh, yeah, go check that out. And uh, right now, if you get on, you, get, you got me and Hannah Harkness talking about Yu-Gi-Oh! Um, we're in the Battle City arc, and it's it's heating up. It's heating up over there. Joey Wheeler, he's he's uh, doing uh, Fish Guy, Mako Tsunami. You gotta check that shit out. Um, <laughs> and uh, you can also uh, listen to the sister show, Talking Naruto, hosted by me and Benel Hermosin, as well as my uh, wrestling podcast, the Professional Wrestling Podcast, with me and Katie Rose Leon, which you can also find on my YouTube channel at youtube.com slash at loss and comedy, um, which, um, yeah, is, uh, I'm gonna, you know, we, uh, <laughs> I, I've been doing a lot of reaction videos on that channel. <laughs> almost like, almost like in, uh, in defiance, because, you know, when I worked hard on, on videos to, like, make them good, uh, they didn't really get views, but then I do this lazy reaction content, <laughs> and now I'm getting a lot of views. So God, uh, you know that's the way the world works, and um, it's uh, it's it's a beautiful thing. So I'm gonna keep doing that and just coasting on that shit for a while. So. Oh man! And then every now and then I'll upload a real video of me, like you know, doing uh, playing Stardew Valley or doing stand up or something. Thank God. Um, <laughs> and. Uh, as always <laughs> uh, this and every week we'll see you next week for uh, another week another episode of Ballin' Out Super yeah guided by the light of the moon I turn my tunes up a howling wolf to muddy waters my new stuff before I knew what hit me I maneuvered through the city navigating my way to get me a few bucks blue dust off a record player told my friends I couldn't make it was busy wrecking this mic later on that night felt higher than Miles Davis paper planes high lines and skyscrapers hopped the style toward another destination I was sitting waiting patient till the train pulled in the station as we tunneled down the tracks got my mind racing world's mine for the taking let's take it let's go Quicken the pace, I'm earthbound 
touchdown from out of space I heard round the world from the boys and the girls and the ladies and gentlemen Ready for me to represent, I'm cleverly putting together melodies Ain't looking for a dance with them now, you better be the remedy It's the experience, it is a dangerous liaison Now let me see your hands up, as you step into the dance floor Trunk slamming, head banging the dashboard Patrol the rhyme like a sign to a task force Stamp your feet like you're waking up a passport Play it back before you fast forward And if you feel on the track, well that's more than I could have asked for Never front like I'm slipping in the back door That was a joke, you should laugh more Haha, <laughs> take your time, it's only what you make it If the world is mine, then it's mine for the take and I'll take it Feel it